0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is October 22nd. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. Of course, the Dolphins are not in the spot that we would hope they'd be in. If you would have asked me this a lot earlier on in the season, I would say that this would be chalked up as one of the easier games for them. But now it's looking like, you know, you just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. At that point, it's hard to say there's ever an easy game left on the schedule. So with that in mind, uh, this could be a difficult matchup, even though it is gonna be against the Atlanta Falcons. So if we take a look here at the Dolphins' side of the ball, of course, offensively, it's going to be led by Tua Tungval, by Loa currently listed as questionable, but everyone's expecting him to be able to go last week by far Tua's best game of the season. Again, there's only one other game that we can really even point to, but it was also what was one of his better games of his entire career, third highest quarterback rating of his career, and it was the second highest amount of passing yards in a single game from Tua. Again, if you remember, he did that all without Devontae Parker, he did it without Preston Williams, he did it without Will Fuller. Overall, a pretty depleted group of receivers, and he was likely still dealing with some sort of pain and maybe some hindrance in regards to that rib injury that he sustained. So in that game, he was throwing it pretty well, evenly distributing it across the field. Uh, I highly recommend you go check out NFL's Next Gen Stats and check out the little passing chart. An overall pretty good game. One of my complaints with him so far was that he wasn't able to complete passes down the field. That was not the case this last week against Jacksonville, was able to complete some of those deeper passes uh, in large part with Mike Kosicki, so that was pretty good. Now, it is important to note though, it was against a Jacksonville, Jaguars. That's a very bad team. Expecting him to have a good game was kind of a given, but I think he was able to fulfill his side of the bargain. I think he had a pretty good game, so I'm not going to knock him for that last performance against Jacksonville. Now, as we move on here and talk about the running game for Miami, I mean, who really even knows what's going to be happening here at this point? We saw Miles Gaskin have a really good performance against Tampa Bay, but then in that last game against Jacksonville, he kind of reverted back to this level of inefficiency that we weren't really expecting. And then after that, it seemed like the Dolphins were giving the hot hand, kind of the bulk of the work to Malcolm Brown, which I don't agree with. So if you had to ask me, just based on the trends of what we've seen so far this season, Miles Gaskin will likely have less than 10 carries in this game, but probably just over five targets out of the backfield in terms of receiving. Uh, Malcolm Brown will probably lead the team in carries, which I'm not a huge fan of, but he'll be basically irrelevant as a receiving back. And then, of course, Savon Ahmed will be sprinkled in and might have a decent carry throughout the game. So expecting there to be a breakout from any of these guys specifically to me, in my opinion, is just a dart throw at this point in the season. But if I had to guess, I would say Gaskin's versatility would likely give him a slight edge in terms of the likelihood of any of these particular guys. Now, as we move on to the receivers here, Jalen Waddle is having a pretty good season. He's not being used the way that I think many fans were hoping he would be used. There are some good stats here when it comes to Jalen He's seventh in the NFL in separation in the entire league. He's 11th in receptions among all wide receivers in the league, but there are some bad stats. He has the second lowest yards per catch this season among all wide receivers, the second lowest, and his 5.4 average depth of target is also the second lowest among all wide receivers in the NFL. So, again, this is a guy who has that game breaking speed that we were hoping would kind of be able to break it big over the top. That has not been the case. Most of his work has come around the line of scrimmage. Now, Devontae Parker could be making a return this week. He missed the last two games with an injury. Parker, I think, has been pretty terrific when it comes to those contested catches this season. He was on pace for over a 1,000 yards before going down with that injury. Many fans right now, I know, are pretty frustrated with his performance and him not being able to be on the field consistently, but to me, it's just clear if the team has any desire to really move the ball downfield efficiently, that Devontae Parker would have to have some sort of role in that in one way, shape, or another. Now, Mike Kosicki, though, this guy has been turning it on quite a bit over the last few games. Over the last four games, averaging 75 yards per game, he has quietly snuck back in to the top five among all tight ends in receiving yards so far this season. And while last week, again, he was up against a Jaguars team, and that team has actually given up the third most yards to tight ends this season. This week, he'll be up against a Falcons team that has given up the sixth fewest. So, this will actually be a pretty good test to see whether Mike Kosicki's role can be kind of matchup proof and see how it works out this week. Preston Williams had that terrific opening drive if we reflect back to that game against Tampa Bay, and him being healthy would be a huge plus for this team. Again, this is a unit that has all of a sudden just been been ravaged by injuries, but if Williams and if Parker can't go. That will likely mean more of that Mac Hollins kind of being used sparsely in there, and then a little bit of Kirk Merritt potentially, who hasn't really been a factor in any way so far this season. But again, a lot of people are optimistic about him, myself included. Hopefully, he could be incorporated in this. Now, the Dolphins' offensive line, no shocker here, is just not good. It is what it is. We're at a point in the season right now where uh, expecting them to come out in this game and look sloppy is just kind of expected at this point Uh, Jesse Davis will likely be a huge liability as he has been all season as will likely Austin Jackson and even though Liam Eikenberg has been a much-needed improvement over there at the tackle position over Austin Jackson he still has been having some of those rookie hiccups so overall I kind of expect this unit to play how they have been playing all season which is not necessarily that good now as for the defensive side of the ball the team will need Xavier Howard and Byron Jones to return this week. Both Jones and Howard missed last week with an injury and that kind of opened the door for Noah Igbenogany who's been a healthy scratch all season so far for the team. So, while Igbenogany didn't necessarily look terrible, he gave up some massive plays to Marvin Jones. Again, his coverage wasn't terrible. He was pretty, you know, tight with Marvin Jones but again, Jones isn't Julio Jones, it's Marvin Jones. He shouldn't be giving up massive plays like that. At least you wouldn't hope to see that. So, overall, I think the playing time for Igbenogany will be useful. Hopefully that can help them improve over time. But if the Dolphins right now are thinking about getting a victory, then yeah, Xavier Howard or uh, Byron Jones should be in his place. They're both miles ahead and that would be a tremendous help. But I am a little bit concerned here Regardless with Xavier Howard, because Xavier Howard, if you remove that fumble that he had in that Patriots game, there have been far too many moments where he appears like he's just some guy. He got cooked by Hunter Renfro, he got cooked by Antonio Brown, he got mossed by Stephon Diggs. Where is that elite Xavier Howard that you know demanded all this money and we gave it to him? And we're expecting to see this season. So far, he's looked far too often like he's just some guy and not the elite player that the team paid for. So if we move over to the opposite side and look at the Atlanta Falcons, if you guys remember before the season started, everyone was expecting this team to be a dumpster fire of a team. If you looked at them on paper, you just kind of looked and said, yeah, They're not going to be good whatsoever, and that was mostly because of the defensive side of the ball, but despite that, they're actually not playing too bad this season. They are definitely not a great team. They're definitely on the bad end of the spectrum, but they're not a complete dumpster fire like many people expected. Offensively right now, they're led by Matt Ryan. He has 1,332 passing yards. That's 25th in the NFL. He has 10 passing touchdowns, which is 12th, and only three interceptions, so you would look at that and say, okay, Matt Ryan isn't doing all too bad so far this season, but there is a very telling stat here that I kind of want to go over right now. Matt Ryan's intended air yards is the lowest in football and his completed air yards is the third lowest. So again, he is living off of these check down passes. He is kind of doing that same thing that Drew Brees did towards the tail end of the career where he was just basically hooking up with Alvin Kamara at will. That is basically right now what Matt Ryan's entire game is revolving around. So keep that in mind. And a big reason here why the Falcons have been able to have success while not throwing it deep down the field is because of their running backs. And there's actually one guy who isn't necessarily always been a running back and that's Cordero Patterson who's actually kind of taken over this role and he's been looking pretty good doing it. We all know the guy's an electric athlete. Sure, he's 30 years old now. He's not as young as when he first entered the league, but so far he's had at least six targets in each of his last four games. He's averaging 59 yards receiving per game this season. On top of that, 41 carries, 14 of those coming in their last game against the Jets. He's averaging 4.2 yards per carry. I mean, the guy has looked pretty effective as a running back. Still a very dynamic, entertaining guy to watch. So the Dolphins will have to do a pretty good job at making sure he doesn't turn any of these small plays into big receptions. Mike Davis is another guy, if you reflect back to last year, he filled in for Christian McCaffrey as kind of the workhorse guy in Carolina. He wasn't, of course, able to replicate Christian McCaffrey's effective but by the standards many people were holding to him he did a pretty good job so the Atlanta Falcons brought him in and he's being used pretty heavily so far this season he's also averaging five targets per game he's being used more as a team's running back he's averaging 12 carries per game and overall he's been all right uh four yards per carry in nearly every game but there's this one game in particular that kind of skews his stats it was this absolutely abysmal game against Washington where he only averaged one yard per carry. But outside of that, he's looked pretty decent so far this year. But to say anything more than that, I think would be a little bit of a stretch. But as we move on here to the receiving game for Atlanta, Calvin Ridley could be back in this game after missing their last game in London with an injury. The Falcons obviously lost that elite talent in Julio Jones. But to me, Calvin Ridley is also very uh, deserving of being called elite, if you're asking me. During training camp, we have a little bit of an interesting dynamic to reflect on we saw the Dolphins and the Falcons have those joint practices and we saw some matchups between Calvin Ridley and Xavier Howard and there were certain plays where Calvin Ridley just burned Xavier Howard but then there was other plays where it looked like Xavier Howard won so something I've been saying pretty heavily is I think Xavier Howard is a pretty technically sound corner but he isn't necessarily the quickest or the most athletic so based on his regression so far this season I'm kind of Expecting Calvin Ridley to have a solid performance in this game, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that. And frankly, if he's able to burn Xavier Howard, I wouldn't be shocked in this game. tied end Kyle Pitts is also somebody who has been doing pretty well as of late. He's coming off of a career performance uh, in London against the Jets. He had a career high 119 yards, and he also had his first touchdown of the season. He looked truly unstoppable. Kind of reminded people about what they saw back over there. At the the combine when he looked like a freak of nature. Again, was it against the Jets? Yes, but right now the Dolphins are unfortunately uh, not that much more of a daunting opponent at this point than the Jets. So uh, definitely keep your eye on Kyle Pitts here, we will likely see matchups against you know guys like Eric Rowe and Jerome Baker in this game. But as for the rest of the Falcons receiver unit, I mean it's pretty barren. Russell Gage was an intriguing guy in the offseason when we were trying to figure out where all the volume was gonna go when Julio wasn't there, but he's been battling injuries, he's been really unable to show much. Falcons leading receiver right now, outside of Calvin Ridley, is actually Olemides Zacchaeus, who only has eight. 89 yards this season and he's caught actually less than half of the targets thrown his way so essentially if I'm looking at it the Dolphins secondary has to be able to stop Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and frankly they should be fine with handling the rest of the units uh, the rest of the wide receiver unit for Atlanta now as for the Falcons defense that's the one area where people were looking at before the year on paper they look like they're severely outmatched by anyone they go up against but they have some players who have been outperforming the expectations they've had cornerback AJ Terrell has been great so far this season he's allowing an impressive only 45.8 passer rating when he's targeted he's actually only given up one first down catch all season and then opposite of him you have Fabian Moreau and Moreau is uh, you know by no accounts a great corner he's had some flashes where he's able to make some impressive plays uh last week or uh, the last game rather he sustained a neck injury on what was an impressive tackle for a loss, but uh, he's been back at practice, so the expectation right now is that he will go. So while Terrell has been impressive in this secondary, Moreau has actually been the corner on this team who's been targeted at will, and he's been the one giving up the most yards in this secondary. Now, linebacker uh, Deion Jones has always been regarded as one of the top uh, coverage linebackers in all of football. That's something that's been happening for years. His speed made him a staple in this kind of new concept where you have faster smaller linebackers but this season though he is not having a good year whatsoever he's been targeted 23 times this season and on those 23 targets he's gave up 21 completions his 226 yards allowed in coverage is the most on the Falcons team so right now they haven't been doing good in this in that regard the Falcons are also currently 29th in the NFL in sacks and in basically every category when it comes to getting pressure When it comes to getting quarterback knockdowns, they're among the worst in the league. So the Dolphins' offensive line should have at least an opportunity to be faced with a matchup that isn't too daunting for them. But again, they've been playing so poorly that can I say with confidence they're going to come out here and look decent. At this point, I can't. I wish I could, but I really can't. So to get into some of my expectations, the first one that I have here is that Calvin Ridley has a pretty big day. I think Calvin Ridley is just a very talented guy. Based off what I saw at the joint practices, it looks like he had the upper hand on Xavier Howard. Howard hasn't necessarily been showing enough that even if he is the guy who's covering it, he might still be dealing with some sort of residual pain from that injury. It just seems like a tough matchup for him. He hasn't looked elite so far this season. And until he is back in in form and looking good, I'm not necessarily going to bet in favor of him stopping an elite talent, which I think Calvin Ridley is. My next expectation here is that I think Tua has a pretty good game yet again in this one. I think the Falcons front just in general isn't that good at getting to the quarterback. And even if there's even a sliver of just more time to throw for Tua and less pressure on him, I think that could potentially open up an entire new world. On top of that, with the additions. Maybe you get back Devontae Parker. Maybe you get back Preston Williams. Heck, maybe you even get them both back. I think right now, uh, Tua is primed to have at least a pretty decent performance. Now, to get into my keys to the victory for this game, the first one here is gonna be limit Calvin Ridley and uh, Kyle Pitts. And I said that I expect Ridley to have, you know, a somewhat pretty good game in this one, but he's one of those guys that he's capable of popping off for a massive showing on any given Sunday. If he comes out here and drops 150 yards on the Dolphins and gets like three touchdowns, I don't see how they're able to hang into this game. And then if Kyle Pitts is having a performance like how he did against the Jets, then that'll just be too much to overcome. He looked like an absolute monster, whether it's Eric Rowe at times, whether it's Jerome Baker, whether it's a different safety covering Kyle Pitts, just because he's a rookie doesn't mean the Dolphins can afford to sleep on Kyle Pitts. There is not much talent left outside of these two players here for the Falcons. Don't let these two guys be the ones that beat you. And my next key to the victory here is to have a decent offensive line performance. And this is probably gonna be one of my keys to the victory on every single week, because this group can be bad to the extent that they could single-handedly derail a game. We saw that at the beginning of the season. It's capable for them to go out there and look absolutely abysmal every single week. So hopefully they come out here, not too difficult of a front, and they look decent. Again, that's all we're asking for. Just don't get to a kill, give them a little bit of time to work with, and that should be enough to get the offense a little bit going my next and last key to the victory here is to get some sort of running game going whatever the Dolphins are doing right now just frankly isn't working Malcolm Brown at least in my opinion shouldn't be getting the amount of touches he is there is no threat of a running game here for Miami and it's just making it far too easy for defenses so they don't need to come out here and have a Derrick Henry by committee type of performance but at least have over 80 yards in this game. Please have at least maybe a hundred yards rushing as an entire team. And again, that's without forcing Tua to account for like 40 of the rushing yards. So hopefully some sort of running game could exist in this game. That's all I'm hoping for. So guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap up today's episode. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would help a lot. You can always feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. That is at ShadySteven and at ViaTheSource. I would love to know what you guys think. But guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap it up. It was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.